Chapter 17 of Dave Dashaway, The Young Aviator, by Roy Rockwood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 17 Kidnapped. If Hiram Dobbs had not pronounced so serious a warning only a few hours previous, Dave would not have paid much attention to the incident of the moment. Hiram had spoken of two rough-looking characters in the company of Jerry Dawson. Here were a couple who filled the bill, strangers to Dave, and yet speaking his name in a way that was sinister. "'They're gone, whoever they are,' said Dave a few moments later, and dismissed them from his mind for the time being. He walked down the row of automobiles and other vehicles lining the main entrance road. There was quite a crowd— General admission to the grounds was free to anyone respectable that day and evening. Outside of the curious visitors who had gone the rounds of the hangars, there were groups of airmen and others discussing the features of the morrow's flight. Dave passed along through the crowds, interested in all he saw. When he got to that part of the broad roadway where the booths and crowds were sparser, he deviated to cross towards the hangars at one side of the great course. He met a few people, and here and there came across tents given to the exhibiting of some new model or occupied by employees who worked about the field. Most of these who ate and slept on the grounds, however, were down at the center of animation near the big gate, and Dave's walk was a rather lonely one. "'It's going to be the week of my life,' thought the youth. "'I wonder if there is any hope at all of my taking a flight, as Hiram hinted. "'Not but that I believe I could manage a biplane as well as any amateur. "'Hello!' "'Dave was rudely aroused from his glowing dreams as he passed a tent "'where a man with a lantern was tinkering over a motorcycle. "'Happening to glance back, Dave saw two stealthy figures in the dim distance.' They are the men I noticed at the entrance, decided Dave. There, they've split up. One has gone out of sight around the tent, and the other has made a pretense of stopping to watch the fellow mending that motorcycle. Dave hastened his speed, making straight for the hangars. The row in which Mr. King housed his machine was quite remote from the others. It was bright starlight, and glancing over his shoulder several times, Dave was sure that he made out the two men he was suspicious of following in his tracks. They neared him as he passed a row of temporary buildings. Dave had a mind to stop at one of these until his pursuers, if such they were, had made themselves scarce. Then, however, as he glanced around, he caught no sight of them. Pshaw, said Dave. What am I afraid of? Perhaps I'm making a mystery out of nothing. If these fellows intend to do me any harm, they'd have got me a long time since. They've had plenty of chances. I'll make a beeline for home and forget all about them. Dave put across an unoccupied space. At its edge were three temporary buildings. Two, he knew, held airships. One was quite famous. It belonged to a wealthy man named Marvin, who made aeronautics a fad. His machine was a splendid military monoplane of the latest model, and was listed to do some heavy air work 
and the next day's program. All the buildings were dark. Nobody seemed in their vicinity until Dave neared the larger one of the three where the military machine was housed. Then, suddenly, around one corner of the canvas house, two men came into view. "'We've run him home, I guess,' spoke the quick voice of one of them. "'Yes, there he goes, making for the tent,' was the retort given in a breath. Dave recognized the men as the fellows who had been so persistently following him. They had run ahead, it seemed, and waited for his coming. As they made a move towards him, showing that they intended to reach and seize him, Dave started running around the other side of the building. At this the men separated. One circled the building and headed him off. Dave ran back ten feet out of sight. Then, hearing the other fellow running on from the opposite direction, Dave crowded through a half-open sliding door. "'He's gone,' sounded on the outside a minute later. "'No, he slipped into that shed. "'I tell you, we've run him home, "'and if nobody else is around, "'we can soon finish up our business neat and quick.' "'Dave did not know what that business was. "'He stood still in the darkness and listened. "'His hand had touched the bamboo edge of a machine wing.' he was thinking of seeking a hiding place or some other door or window outside from the shed when a sudden flash blinded and confused him his pursuers had followed him into the place one of them carried a portable electric light pressing its button and focusing its rays first on one spot and then on another its holder soon rested a steady glare on dave there he is sounded out yes grab him all right got him sure and safe dave's captor had great brawny hands and handled the youth as he would a child the men had come prepared for a rough and ready action the ruffian had felled dave with a jerk and a slam kept beside him and in a twinkling had his hands and feet bound tightly dave set up a sharp outcry "'We'll soon settle that,' said his captor grimly. Dave's lips were muffled with a gag so tightly fastened that for a few minutes he could scarcely breathe. The man who had dealt so summarily with him rose to his feet. "'What now?' asked his companion. "'Get out and see if the coast is clear. "'I know it is, our way. "'We're to make direct for the high fence beyond the hangars near the freight gate, you know.' We can open it from the inside. Let's be in a hurry, then. Remember, there's something else to do. I haven't forgot it. The job's easy this far. Come ahead. We'll have to carry him? Yes. Dave was lifted up and swung along by the two men as if he were a bag of grain. They made straight for the high rear fence of the grounds. This they followed for a few hundred feet. "'Here's the gate,' announced one of the men, and they dropped Dave to the ground. There was a jangling of chains and hasps. From where he lay, Dave could see the open country beyond the gateway. He was carried through. Several vehicles were in view, and the horses attached to most of them were hitched to trees or the fence supports. Their owners, Dave judged, were up at the place some distance away. Here there were lights and animation. Dave knew that the building was located there, 
outside of the grounds where the supplies from the farmers and by rail were received say spoke one of the men carrying him there is a half dozen horses and wagons here well it's a light wagon with a white horse we were directed to there it is see that white horse yonder i guess you're right toddle along this is no light lump of a youngster the men reached a light wagon its box was littered with straw and a lot of empty bags it looked to dave as if the owner had brought a load of potatoes to the arrow meet give him a hoist ordered one of the men dave was lifted swung and dropped he sank down among the bags and the straw almost out of sight now where's the man we were supposed to meet the driver of the wagon inquired the fellow who had bound and gagged dave oh he'll probably be here soon you stay and wait for him and give him his orders i'll go back and finish up the job you can't do it alone it won't take but a few minutes you may want me to hold a light or something got the tools yes and the last speaker jangled something metallic in his pockets all right let's waste no time this is pretty neat i call it the lad settled in the machine no good i'm thinking old king will do some storming when he tries another flight i think so too come on was the retort and the two men disappeared through the gateway of the aviation field end of chapter seventeen